everybody, welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, and joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Yeah, it's morning. It is, for us anyway. You might be listening to this at some other point in time. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever yes. you are. Wherever you are, whatever time it is. How about it? Okay. We have a uh, an excellent show in store. We'll, of course, cover the box office. We'll talk about the numbers for Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, go over what's coming out for this week, as I know Rob is very excited for the, the box office this week. Uh, we'll discuss music biopics and what makes them good. Also, we'll uh, do a segment called Movies Explained Badly, which will explain, hopefully not badly, before we do them. And, of course, our watch list. All right, Rob, you ready to get started? Let's do it. Box office numbers. Number one in the direct, number one in the box office for this past week, for the second year or second week in a row, Jurassic World Dominion coming in at 59.2. Uh, so a drop-off, but not a horrendous drop-off. Still a bigger drop-off in week two than we saw from Maverick, uh, but not bad. And it was enough to pull ahead of Lightyear in number two, which did 50.6 million in its debut. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Top Gun Maverick still pulling in 44.7 million in week number four. Doctor Strange at 4.4 million and Bob's Burgers holding out at 1.2 million. Uh, for a total of 29.8 million. By the way, Top Gun Maverick is 466 million. That's uh ooh, that's a number. All right, Rob. That's just domestic too. It so. is. That's a huge movie. That is a huge, huge movie. Uh so let's let's start off with uh general box office. Any anything from your general box office taken? We'll get into light year here in a bit. Um, I think the first thing I would say is that uh, $44.7 million for a movie in its fourth week is, like, insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, I really wonder how how long um, it will have sustained, like, double-digit numbers in the box office. Like, how high can, the, can it go? Yeah, because, I mean, you're seeing Doctor Strange is in its seventh week in the box office. This is $4.4 million. It's been under $10 million for a couple weeks now. Maverick sustainability. Oh man, this is going to be in yeah. for a while. Yeah, and especially when you consider it's making that much going up against a couple movies that people were excited to see. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and uh, I did get my box office number wrong. I was like, predicting another about two hundred million dollars for the box for the top of the box office, and not even close to that. Uh, I am surprised at the sustainability of Bob's Burgers. Who knew there were that many Bob's Burgers fans? Yeah. I mean, like normal people can't just be going to the Bob's Burgers movie. I mean, why right. would you? Right. If you watch the show, why would you go to it? But I had no idea this this uh, show had this big of a following. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure it's enough to get me to watch the show, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something. All right, let's get to the uh, 
to the the main story here about this is the poor showing from Lightyear. Rob, what do you make of it? Uh, I'm not surprised. I think I said before, like I wondered how this would do based on some of the controversy around it and just the fact that it's not a typical Pixar kind of like family-oriented, friendly animation style. It's more... um, story driven which intrigues me but i understand why it might not be the thing for a bunch of people yeah so i'm not super surprised it didn't do more than the 50.6 it did yeah i i am also i I am a little surprised it was as low as it was um but i think what you see here is disney making a major miscalculation I feel like they just stepped on a rake intentionally. And um, I think this is this is probably the biggest problem with this movie. Um, ordinarily, what we do is we just like to analyze the movies based on the movies themselves and not the hoopla and all the other, all the other stuff surrounding it. But Disney, like they intentionally put this movie out there and front and center in the middle of this national conversation about what's appropriate for children. <laughs> and they intentionally add things back into this movie to appease one side of that argument. So I think the reaction, a negative reaction to this movie had very little to do with whether it was going to be a good movie and had to do with Disney intentionally placing it in the middle of this conversation. Had they not done that, I don't think you would, I think the numbers would have been a lot better. So I feel like this is as much Disney's fault as it is anything to do with the actual movie itself. Yeah. Like I said, before the movie even came out, there were like thousands of Mm -hmm. one star reviews on IMDb. So yeah, you were like brigading it because of what they heard was in it. And there's no way like those people saw the movie (laughs) before they rated it. So yeah. And that's, and that's the problem is like, Disney did not have to do that with this movie. And I mean, you can say the reaction, you should, you shouldn't do the reaction or the other, other words, but like when Disney like goes out of their way to position this in this way, like, yeah, there's going to be a backlash. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so we'll see. I mean, did you, did you see this movie? I've not seen it yet. Okay. Uh, so we'll see if the movie itself is actually good, but I, I would say the number has far more to do with everything surrounding the movie than it may or may not with the quality of what was produced overall. That would be my take on it. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if that, um, cause as we talked about a few weeks ago with, uh, when we we're talking about Tom Cruise movies, uh, some of his movies have had middling debuts and just had sustaining power. So we'll see what kind of sustaining power Lightyear has. I'm guessing not a ton. Uh, I'm guessing it's gonna it's gonna wind up being a bit of a bust, but we'll see. All right, Rob, this is uh this is your uh, this is your segment here, and this is the debuting in theaters this week. This is the week what Rob has been waiting for here. So we have three movies uh, coming out this week. Uh, Elvis, the long-awaited musical biopic uh, about the legendary singer uh, done by Baz Luhrmann. Then you have The Black Phone, 
which is um, a movie that is after being abducted as a by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13 year old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Uh, so this is a horror movie. It stars uh, Mason Thames and Madeline McGrew and Ethan Hawke and Jeremy Davies. Uh, so that's that's your horror entrance. And then Marcel the Shell with Shoes On comes out this week. And this is, how, how would you describe this movie? I, I don't, yeah, I don't so have that, the style. Yeah, so, what would you so there were there were a couple of YouTube videos made uh, a decade ago um, with Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, voiced by Jenny Lewis. And uh, basically the, the character or Jenny Slate, I don't remember what her last name is. Um, the character um, is a shell, an anthropomorphic shell who talks about his life and, you know, how he likes to hang light on Dorito and <laughs> all kinds of random things. How a piece of lint is his pet. Um, it's just nonsensical and silly. And it looks like they turned that into a movie, but um, made it a little more serious because Marcel has to go find his family. Um, who has been missing and he doesn't know where they are. So I think it'll be a really quirky, interesting movie uh, to check out. And it's certainly not for everyone. And I bet it will not be in the box office very long, but I'm hoping to see it while it's out. Yes. You've been excited about this one for a long time. And yeah, I just really, really liked the YouTube videos when they came out. So it, it seems like an interesting it's an interesting juxtaposition some of some of the scenes kind of feel almost like a almost like a claymation type uh feel to it it's not claymation but it it almost has a little bit of a feel like that to something Mm -hmm. from a claymation uh feature Uh, and sometimes it's it's always interesting when they adapt something from other media Obviously, books is the easiest one to translate, but when you translate something from like a video game or as we've seen a theme park ride or even YouTube videos, how well it translates. So I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about the about how this translates to a feature film. Yeah, we need to find a way to go to the theater a few times this week. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm guessing that's the one you're most excited about. But but tell me, tell me, uh, is that is that true? I mean, I think I'm excited about all of them somewhat equally for different reasons. It's because I'm excited about the black phone because um, I've been looking forward to seeing this uh, with my friend um, because she's really into horror movies. And when we saw the trailer for this one, it was one we wanted to see right away. And that was several months ago because it actually got delayed. It was supposed to open in February um, originally and got pushed back. And then Elvis, I didn't know much about until I saw the first trailer for it but i've always liked baz lerman's um style with uh his romeo and juliet and moulin rouge whether or not you like those movies like they are visual like masterpieces yeah um so i expect nothing less out of this especially seeing what we've seen in the trailer i can't say i'm like necessarily a huge elvis fan but i recognize his like role and place in american music so i'm really intrigued by um how it will be presented in the movie yeah i'm also mostly intrigued by elvis um baz lerman took a long break between 
developing movies. The last one he did was uh, Gatsby. And I really enjoyed Gatsby. I thought he did an excellent job of Gatsby. His visual style matched up with the era super, super well. And I just, I just thought it was a brilliant film. And I'm intrigued at what he can do for Elvis. Uh, like, I am also not as big an Elvis fan. Um, and movies, I mean, they're, they're, we're going to talk about this in a moment. There's been a lot of run of movies based on musicians or based on the music of musicians, uh, which is a slightly different category. And I found that I've liked the movies, even about artists I'm not a huge fan of, based around artists I'm not a huge fan of. Like I saw, now this is not a music biopic, but I saw Blinded by the Light, uh, which was based around a kid based around uh, from an immigrant kid in London, or I guess in England, not necessarily in London. Uh, who identifies with the music of Bruce Springsteen. And I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but I still enjoy the movie. Uh, so I think, I think I will be intrigued by Elvis. And I might go to a chance to see it, but I, I still got to see it first. So uh, mm -hmm. we'll, see what, we'll see when I get to Elvis. All right, so that's what's in the box office this coming week. Of course, if you still have not seen uh, Jurassic World, or Maverick, those will still be in. Lightyear will still be in if you want to go in that direction. Uh, so now let's move on to our discussion. And in light of Elvis coming out, I thought we would just take a take a look back at uh, at some music biopics. There have been a number of them recently. I think this in particular escalated over the last the last half decade, really since probably like 2012 or 2013. There've been all an awful lot of them uh but there this is regular music this is a regular genre musical biopics uh there have been a lot over the years going back to like great balls of fire and la bamba in the 80s uh there's just been a huge run of of music biopics uh musicians for whatever reason seem to make a a fascinating subject of movies uh, so what do you what do you got? What's uh, of the I, I put out a list of like some of the ones that were done recently uh, within the last decade or so. And it's not a comprehensive list. Uh, but just to name a few that have come out recently of Rocket Man about Elton John, Bohemian Rhapsody with Freddie Mercury, Walk the Line with Johnny Cash, Get On Up about James Brown, Straight Outta Compton, N.W.A., Ray about Ray Charles, Love and Mercy about Brian Wilson, and Respect from Aretha Franklin. That's actually one of the most recent ones. Uh, have you seen any of these movies? Uh, and uh, what what are if not what are what are some other ones that you you've liked and enjoyed? So the two that I've seen on this list were Straight Outta Compton, um, NWA movie, and Walk the Line, Johnny Cash mm -hmm. movie. Um, I. There are a couple on this list that I want to see that I haven't had the chance to see, especially uh, Bohemian Rhapsody mm -hmm. movie has been on my list for a while. And I just haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that uh, that's a pretty good list of ones that have come out fairly recently. And I would say my favorite of the ones I've seen is Walk the Line. I think not that I've seen a ton of these movies, but I think it's, like I think it's about as 
high highest quality as you can get when it comes to telling the story of um, an artist. Uh, and that's probably a little bit biased because I really like Johnny Cash. Um, and I also like the uh, the comedic adaptation Walk Hard, which is a play <laughs> off Walk the Line, a few other yeah. musical biopics, biopics, however you want to pronounce it. I don't know if there's one right way or they're both right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I Walk the Line is a really, really well done movie hmm. um, and won some awards, deservedly so. Um, and I also really enjoyed um, Straight Outta Compton mm-hmm. as someone who has always been a fan of hip hop and rap. Um, it was cool to see the story background of that, see some of the characters like come to life uh, from some of the music that I appreciated when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard really, really good things about Bohemian Rhapsody. So I really need to watch that. Um, have you seen all of these or a few I've, more of them? I've seen some of these. I've seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I've seen Walk the Line. I've seen Straight Outta Compton. I've seen Love and Mercy. Um, and yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was the one I liked best. I, I, probably the, the pusher for me is I actually like some of Queen's music more than I like the music of some of the other artists. And I think that's always a draw. If you really enjoy the artist's music, that will, that will make it better. It is a really, what I enjoyed about Bohemian Rhapsody was that I thought it told a realistic picture of Freddie Mercury's life. I, I think there is sometimes a tendency to glamorize or to, to gloss over flaws or things uh, that go wrong or, or to minimize it. And this movie really didn't do that. It told the story of Freddie Mercury and with all of his, all of his flaws, all of the things that, that was good about him, all the things that went wrong, um, everything along those lines. And it, yeah, I, I was I was surprised by how how realistic and raw the story was. Um, now, what's ironic is it won for best director, and I thought there were just some odd directorial choices on on this room. Or it was the best editing. It might have been best editing. Uh, yeah, there were some odd directorial or editing choices in this film for sure. It was it was very strange, but um, but the music is really good, uh, and so that one was was good. I also, I've seen some other ones uh, that I did not put on this list, but there, there's a number of ones that kind of, you don't know what to do with, like, what do you do with eight mile? Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of autobiographical of Eminem, but not exactly. Or the same thing with the, the movie by 50 cent that he did a number of years ago, which is kind of about his life, but isn't. Um, but those would be those would be the other ones that I had seen that are outside of this. Um, Love and Mercy was a really, really good, powerful story with Brian Wilson talking about his struggles with mental health and and everything that came into play there. Um, I thought that was the one that that was most about most about uh, the individual uh, more so than the music itself. Uh, but yeah. There's a lot of them out there, uh, and they've in almost every ma- ba- 
big musical feature um, has has had something in some way, shape, or form. You can even uh, go to uh, ones that are failed terribly when they try to put the, a musician into movies like Glitter or something like that. But, all right, well, let's move on to the next element of this is with music biopics being a legitimate genre at this point, uh, I thought it would be fun to spend a moment or two analyzing uh, what are the elements of a well-done musical biopic. And for the audience who doesn't know, Rob is, is, a, is a musician himself and has uh, quite the musical repertoire. I play a little bit of guitar, which doesn't really count. Uh, so <laughs> Rob is a music guy uh, through and through. And so we lean into we lean into you a little bit on this, but let's talk about this. What what do you think are the elements that make a music biopic work? So I think the most important thing is you need to have the music look and sound realistic. Yes. Which um, I think the looking realistic is the harder part because mm. when you edit things, you can make some anything sound like anything. Yes. So. Like, for instance, one of the reasons why I like Walk the Line so much is because Joaquin Phoenix spent so much time, like, actually learning how to sing as Johnny Cash. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to do that, it lends, like, emotion to what you're doing in the performance. It's not just, like, a lip sync or a, or a show or something. And I think there is a profound difference when um, someone is actually put in the time and effort and you can see that in how they um, how they perform in the scenes where they're doing the music. Yeah, and and part of that too is you have to decide from a music movie standpoint what is your focus, what is your feature. Are you more concerned about having an actor who can sing the part, or are you more concerned about having an actor who looks the part? Because it can be really hard to find both. And so if you go more for look than vocals, then a lot of times you're using a different vocalist for those specific songs. And then how does that line up with what you're shooting? And so I think you're right. The realism of how the music looks and feels is a big deal, especially when it comes to instrumentation. Um, when you're showing specific instruments, are they actually, does it look like they're actually playing the instrument versus I'm standing here holding this thing and don't know what to do with it? That's a big, mm -hmm. that's a big factor. What else? Um, I, you just mentioned it, but I think the look does matter. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the Elvis movies looks like with Austin Butler, they like, they've aged him throughout the movie a few different ways to make him uh, able to portray Elvis at different times in his life, which I think is not something that's been done super often or with, um, a lot of success yeah so and, and the interesting thing is when you go back and look at like side-by-side -side pictures of the artist and the actor they're usually not going to look mm -hmm. entirely alike but if they can make you believe that they look like the person and i think that um i don't think that's a very high bar to have to get over Mm -hmm. um, once you're in the context of the movie, I think that you can pull it off. And I think that if you do your best to do that without going crazy on like prosthetics and makeup and stuff, yeah, 
the more realistic it will feel and the more authentic it will feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think too, they're saying, look, I think this is where Bohemian Rhapsody succeeds. Rami Malek really does look like Freddie Mercury, especially at different phases of his life. It is, he really looks like him and can really embody that character. And I think that's the other part of it. It's like, like with Johnny Cash or like with Ray Charles uh, or Freddie Mercury, Elton John's another one. Like they have very distinctive ways of moving, very distinctive characters. Like, you know, when you're watching them and being able to nail those mannerisms is difficult for any actor to embody. And when you can do that well, and it comes off well, that really adds a, a layer of authenticity and credibility to the film. Um, another thing for me is, um, how they integrate the movie and the story. Um, it's easy to go, it's easy to go straight to, well, here are the songs we want to play during this movie. That's going to be the feature, but how do you integrate that within a framework of a story? How does that, how does that correlate? Um, what part are you telling a full story of someone's life, which appears like Elvis appears to be along those lines uh, that's going to tell him over a period of time? Or are you telling it in a short window or a specific segment of the person's life? Um, that integration is, is vital to whether the movie is going to succeed or not. Because at the end of the day, it's not a music video. It is a movie. And you have to have a story that's compelling and it's going to provide the audience with some meat, uh, maybe things that they didn't know about the artist. And having that work well integrated with the music you're all wanting and expecting is is not as easy as you think. Yeah, I, I was going to say something similar is where do you place the songs in the context of the overall story? Yeah. You're trying to tell, do they match up um does it feel like they're a natural outworking or they are in the right place of what just happened or what happens right after them mm-hmm. there's always a tough challenge because all of these people are famous people so you already feel like you know them so what is the movie giving you apart from nostalgia for the specific artist and a chance to enjoy the music. What is it giving you? Is it giving you more depth? Is it giving you things you didn't know? Um, I think those are essential elements to it. Um, what else? You got anything else for, for what makes a good music biopic? I think we hit pretty much the main things. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, check out Elvis this weekend if you want a chance to watch a new one or uh there's a giant list of them out there check check them out if uh we'd love to get your thoughts and your opinions on your favorite music biopics if there's something else you can drop us a message or leave us a comment on the podcast and we'd love to interact with you about it all right for our second uh shorter discussion elements i came across these and i've seen these before but i just came across them recently uh movies explained badly and it's basically, uh, they're kind of memes, kind of jokes, uh, 
explaining a movie in, in the most basic possible terms for comedic purposes. And I'll just give you a couple of examples here. And it's uh, for Titanic. It was rich girl. Let's poor man freeze to death is one um, with for uh, fast and furious, a bald guy teams up with another bald guy to fight another bald guy. Which is uh, which is classic, of course. Um, you have uh, Harry Potter. Boy spends seven years being a third wheel. <laughs> um, let's see what else. There's more on here. If I could, uh, if I could get to it. There, there was another one. It was. Uh, it shows a picture of uh, Lord of the Rings. And it's got two of the characters uh, as elves. And then it's got the same two when they were in Thor Ragnarok. It's like before and after listening to metal. <laughs> uh, one of them being Kate Blanchett. Uh, so you, you get the idea. You get the picture here of what's, what's going on with uh, movies explained badly. So we thought we'd write a few of our own. And we'll go back and forth on these. Rob, Rob give, me, give me your first one. So this one is like a, a pun, but also um, a poorly... Uh, explain description of a movie so man on man on a roll fakes it until he makes it Uh, i don't know what this film is what is it the usual suspects Uh, (laughs) kaiser (laughs) oh man oh man (laughs) all right see if you can get this one Middle-aged man begins working out to impress a high school girl. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. What is American it? Beauty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Both of our first two movies featured Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all, right, all right. What's your What's your next movie? Explain badly. Uh, brothers in Arms venture to the American wilderness to avenge their beloved pet. <laughs> oh, this has to be good. Uh, no, I don't know. Dumb and Dumber. See, <laughs> I did one for Dumb and Dumber. that's great uh here's here's mine for dumb and dumber woman carelessly leaves luggage at airport forcing two men to drive across the country to return it yeah (laughs) that's good too yep okay okay my next one is gardening enthusiast finds acceptance in an unlikely place oh no i don't know what is it edward scissorhands uh All right. Uh, man chooses to bring his culturally appropriated sword to a gunfight and dies. <laughs> oh, boy. What is it? The Last Saber. Yeah, I should have known that one. Oh, Tom Cruise. Yep. All right. Um, when a mysterious interloper threatens a family, tensions rise before a common enemy is found. 
Hmm. No idea. Toy Story. Ah, uh, yep. Yep. There we go. <laughs> Good stuff. I like these. We'll have to do more of these at some point. Yeah, we should have if if anyone in the uh, audience as it is would like to send us some to see if we can get them, that would be enjoyable too. Please send us your movies explained badly. We would love to hear more of these. These are so much fun. I'll enjoy them. All right, let's move on to our watch list. Movies that we've watched over the past week and what we thought about them. Rob, what'd you watch? So I watched Top Gun Maverick again yes. um, on Father's Day. And it was kind of funny because we were in the theater and we're their friends, uh, Keith and Jen. And Keith says uh, towards the end, this is a Father's Day movie, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you can think about it, it kind of is a father's day movie <laughs> yeah so that's why i made so much money this weekend <laughs> um i i was uh even more impressed with it seeing it a second time i just there's there's something about the movie that it's it's hard to necessarily put into words that they captured the feeling of like the 80s 90s blockbuster but set it in a modern context and like it just works you know and i don't think there are many movies out there right now or recently that have done it quite like that so i was just as impressed seeing it the second time as the first time probably more Mm -hmm. so and um then i also watched morbius last night have you seen Morbius? i have not seen morbius okay i will say that i don't think it's as bad as i have been led to believe that doesn't mean doesn't mean it's good (laughs) Okay. <laughs> there are some very, very odd, like you were talking about with Bohemian Rhapsody editing directorial choices. There are some very odd choices for me in this movie, like a, a scene where the one character just goes off on a tangent dancing as he dresses up in a fancy suit because I guess he's like full of himself and that's supposed to be the representation of his being arrogant, but it honestly just looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jared Leto does a decent job as the character, but the I think one of the struggles with movies like this is you're coming into this character and they have to introduce you to them, but simultaneously they make you feel like you kind of should know some about them already. And that works when they've been in a bunch of movies, but yeah. as this is the first movie with that character... Like it's set in it's set in um, the Marvel universe. Like the the Daily Bugle is involved, mm-hmm. um, so you're in some of the cities that are there in that universe. But it's just it's just a little odd, and i i liked I liked a good deal of what they did effect wise, but some of it did feel a little cheap, which I also think doesn't help um, with the overall success of the movie Mm -hmm. so i think it's highly unlikely we'll see the character again based on how poorly it did um but i've seen way worse movies than this so you know i don't think it was quite as bad as people made it out to be but i also don't think it was really that good either it was a very like out of all the movies that existed it's one of them kind of movie fair enough all right is that what you got yep 
Okay. Um, so going along the lines of bad movies, uh, I also watched Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a movie that Rob uh, refuses to acknowledge exists. And I, I don't know. I saw it. I, I have that free month of like Paramount. And so I saw it on there and I'm like, you know, I remember it not being good, but it's been a long time. I wonder, I, I just want to go back and see, like, was it really that bad? And in a way, no, but in a way, yes. Like, it's it's like a movie that was, to use a, 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 a men in black quote, uh, it was wearing... Uh, it was wearing Indiana Jones like a suit, like an Indiana yeah. suit. <laughs> it was masquerading as an Indiana Jones movie, but it just didn't ever look or feel right. It just didn't, it never did. It was, it's like, it's like someone read the cliff notes of what Indiana Jones movies are and then made a movie about that. So it's got all <laughs> of the right elements to it but it's just missing something like you know you know this when you did a report in school because every single one of us did a book report on a book we didn't read it just that's just the way it works and teachers can always tell when you wrote a report on a book you didn't read and it's <laughs> like this this is what kingdom of the crystal skull was it's like we have the rough idea of what an indiana jones movie is and then we went and made a movie and it just it just never felt right. Like the 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 action scenes, the dialogue, the fight scenes, it's like it's just supposed to be right, but it doesn't work. And like all the other ones had supernatural elements, but the supernatural elements and like the, the alien storyline and that just didn't feel the same. It just didn't so yeah, it wasn't you can take individual elements, be like, okay, that wasn't good, but as a whole, it just meant that the movie was very disappointing. And that's what I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway from it. Is it the worst movie? No, but it's disappointing considering how good the other ones are. Um, and the good news is they're making a new one. So, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also watched the, uh, the duo that I, I feel are often linked together, and that's The Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. I was just in the mood to watch, to move, to watch them. And I remember Darkest Hour being fantastic, but man, is it good. Oh my goodness, that is such a good, good movie. And Gary Oldman as uh, one of the major chameleon actors who just hides within his role uh, as Winston Churchill was amazing. The role Winston Churchill played in, um, in the beating back of the Nazis uh, during World War II was un unreal. And then to follow that up with then watching Dunkirk and just Christopher Nolan's ability to, to put you into the mood of a film. Like there's no dialogue in this film for several minutes at the start of it. And you just get this eerie feeling the entire opening of this movie and, and how he crafted different storylines was so, so good. So I highly recommend watching both those films. All right, Rob, got anything else? I do not. I need to make some reservations for the box office. Yes, indeed. 
All right. Well, that is it for Film for Fans podcast for this week. Check out filmforfans.com where we have lots of great content over there. Tell your friends about the podcast. Rate, subscribe. Uh, we have a YouTube channel on this. Uh, make sure you get this content in plenty of people's hands. And until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>